You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers defeat Hope College 98-65 to in sparkling new Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Uh, this was a game that the Hoosiers actually came out pretty sluggish in the first half. Uh, Hope jumped out to a little lead, but Indiana really used defense to lead to offense and then really did the same thing in the second half where they came out a little bit sluggish. Then the defense picked up, used the defense to turn into offense uh, and were able to go on big runs and eventually put Hope College away. And we are going to break it all down for you on this episode of the Assembly Call. I'm your host, Jared Morris. Very excited to be with you. I will be joined tonight by Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Will DeWitt is at Assembly Hall. Make sure you go and like us over on Facebook because he will be doing a live report from Simon Scott Assembly Hall after the post-game press conference. So like us over there and get Will's report. All right, well, let's begin tonight's show as we always begin our show uh, with our banner moment, the Hoosier Proud banner moment this season. Uh, And for me, You know, really, the banner moment came at the first dead ball and then the next dead ball after that and the next dead ball after that when Indiana just continuously was substituting tonight just over and over again. Andy, you're going to have a lot of fun doing the lineups for this one uh, because there were a lot of lineups, a lot of substitutions. But what was really encouraging was the lack of drop off. And in fact, the spark that Indiana continuously got from the guys coming in. And I really thought that for most of the night, Indiana played its best when one of the freshmen was on the floor. And we'll get into talking about these guys, Devontae Green, Curtis Jones, and Deron Davis, all brought something really good to the table. But I think what it suggested for Indiana, and and of course, an uneven exhibition game, that's what you expect in a game like this. But you saw flashes of the depth and the explosiveness. uh, And I think that was really encouraging to see for Indiana fans. And obviously, this is a team that could be even more deep if Colin Hartman uh, weren't hurt, but even with the guys that Indiana has, I thought you really saw uh, you saw the potential for a really deep, explosive team, and that's what you're looking for in these exhibition games. You're not going to see a lot of crisp execution uh, and, and, and perfect conditioning, and we certainly didn't see that from Indiana tonight. But I thought you really saw some good things from the guys that came in uh, and a deep bench, and we'll get into talking about all of those guys as we go through tonight's show. Uh, and of course, as I said, tonight's banner moment is brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers to see their complete line of apparel, including T-shirts, sweatshirts, stickers, and more, all featuring unique Indiana-themed designs. Visit HoosierProud.com. And when you do, use the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, to receive 15% off at checkout. Connor and the guys at Hoosier Proud designed, and they distribute now our official Assembly Call logo T-shirt. And when you purchase our T-shirt at Hoosier Proud, a portion of the proceeds does go back to us to help support the show. So we appreciate you doing that. To see our T-shirts and so much more, including the IU football-themed Kick Was Good T-shirt that went viral earlier this year and that I know Andy purchased, visit HoosierProud.com. And again, use the promo code ASSEMBLY to receive 15% off your entire order 
That's HoosierProud.com, and we thank them for sponsoring the Banner Moment. All right, well, let's move the ball, get through some opening thoughts here with the rest of our team. Andy, we will go over to you with tonight's Bottoms Line brought to us by Bracketology.fm. Well, the big thing for me tonight was how Thomas Bryant came out in the second half after a first half where he didn't really touch the ball very much. Um, I know I, I lamented a bit how many threes IU took in that first half. And uh, in, in a game like this against an opponent whose center, I think, was 6-6, six, six, uh, you really wanted to see Bryant get involved. And, and we didn't see that a lot in the first half, but we most certainly did to start the second half. Uh, the offense was really running through Bryant, whether that was at times through him in the high post, at times it was him trying to take people off the dribble. Uh, he made a couple nice dishes out to for, to guys for three pointers early in the half, but also really got himself involved. Uh, had his uh, you know that that kind of Troy Williams esque uh, driving layup as as you mentioned a, a shoulder shimmy to the band. Kind of saw it all from Brian in the second half. He had ended up with eleven points uh, after the break, a pair of rebounds, uh, those two assists that I mentioned, and uh, I thought really asserted himself and and was the All Big Ten and potential uh, Big Ten MVP type player that we we're all expecting. So I think a little bit of a slow start, maybe deferring to other guys there, uh, you know, given some of the comments earlier in the week from Crean and, and you kind of talked about, uh, you know, the season he compared that to. Uh, I saw flashbacks of that a little bit with the like, why can't they get the ball inside of this guy early on? So uh, I thought it was good. They really rectified that in the uh, in the second half in a big way. And I think that's something that we'll, uh, we'll continue to look for, particularly uh, in the next exhibition game, because he's going to play a huge role against Kansas, obviously, uh, in an area where IU looks to have uh, you, you know, probably its biggest advantage um, just from an interior standpoint. So something to look at with him, but uh, a, a good showing from the big fellow to start the season. Did you think part of the reason Indiana struggled to get him the ball in the first half was Hope playing that 2-3 zone and just packing it in and just, I mean, really making it difficult for Indiana to get the ball in there? I think they did that to a, thir- a certain extent, but I also thought IU settled for some threes that really, you know, weren't necessary. Uh, you know, shots that against an opponent like this, you could kind of get anytime. So a little bit of both. Definitely give a little bit of credit to Hope, but I think they could have, you know, schemed him uh, open a little bit better, and and they seemed to do a better job of that in the second half, even letting him get the ball out front a little bit on his own instead of having to rely on posting him up as much. All right. Well, let's go with Ryan's rant brought to us by the Big Lead. What are your opening thoughts tonight, Ryan? Yeah, I, I just was impressed with the depth for Indiana. I think that it, it, with any scrimmage, it's going to be ragged, and, and it's a preseason exhibition game, and, and there were times where it was this game was really ragged and did not uh, – um, it wasn't encouraging, we'll say that at times, but then at times, you know, they look good. And um, so I think it was, you know, hit or miss. But one thing I thought that was impressive was the depth. You had guys like Devontae Green. I mean, he was he was the leading scorer with 17 points in only 13 minutes, and he just continues to impress. Um, and then, you know, guys off the bench. Uh, I mean, you know, Robert Johnson was coming off the bench in this one. I'm not sure if that's going to be the situation when the season starts or not, but you know, he, uh, he was who he was. I mean, there's a reason that Andy is the, the president of his fan club and uh, you know, he showed stretches where he was really good. I thought he looked rusty with a jump shot, but um, again, just all over the floor, Curtis Jones, uh, Deron Davis, Josh Newkirk, you know, all these guys came in and provided something. Jawan Morgan, of course, um, they all came in and provided something, you know, and, and, and 
that's the key when you have this kind of depth is are you getting something from these guys? And, and they all gave something. The one thing I really liked about the second unit or, or the sort of the second wave of guys is they all played really intense defense. They all seem very committed to playing defense, which is a big deal because, you know, half the battle with defense is getting guys to even just pay attention to it or focus on it. Um, and, and so there was a lot of good effort there. Devontae Green uh, seemed to lead that charge. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I was encouraged by the depth. Um, the young guys all look like they belong. I mean, it's going to take time to get them up to a Big Ten level, but they all look like they belong where the, you know, in this game and, uh, and, and look like they belong on this team and could carve out roles for themselves. Absolutely. And it's important to view games like this, exhibition games like this, in the proper context. And I'll tell you what I mean here uh, in just a second. Uh, but first, I want to take a quick minute to tell you about our other sponsor, SeatGeek, who we're so excited to have back for a second season here on the Assembly Call. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts, as you know, can be a confusing process, has been for a long time. It can be hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and a lot of those older ticket sites don't seem to want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets, which is why all of us on the show, uh, UC Geek, give it our endorsement. It's the first place I go uh, to look for tickets to a game or concert, uh, in part because they do all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. They do the work, you save the money. And speaking of saving money, Assembly Call listeners actually have an opportunity to get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. And here's how that works. Download the SeatGeek app. You can also go to the website, but their app is really handy. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, and SeatGeek will send you a $20 rebate after you've made that first ticket purchase. So again, download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, today. All right. Well, you are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips breaking down Indiana's victory tonight over Hope College. So let me explain what I mean there by viewing this game in context. You know, I thought Tom Crean had some interesting comments on his coaches show uh, last night, Monday night, had some interesting comments with Fish before the game tonight, you know, basically saying it, it's, it felt to me, and I want to get your, your guys' thoughts, felt to me a little bit like calling out his guards, Robert Johnson and Josh Newkirk a bit, you know, talking about how he really wanted more communication, wanted more leadership from that position. And then you see the starting lineup and Juwan Morgan is out there starting at point guard. And that's something we've kind of joked about, but it is no joking matter as he's out there starting at point guard and not looking terribly out of place. I thought Juwan actually used the baseline pretty well a couple times, finding guys a la Yogi Ferrell from the last few years, um, you know, and did some nice things. But obviously this team is going to go as far as Robert Johnson and Josh Newkirk can take them in terms of replacing the ball handling uh, and leadership that you lost with Yogi Ferrell. And, and so I thought, you know, that was interesting. I thought Tom Crane's comments also about the fact that they haven't worked very much on defensive rebounding yet, just not something that they really put in, that they were going to kind of watch this game, see how they do, and then work more on the fundamentals of rebounding. And he did also mention wanting to see Indiana cut down on the turnovers, said, you know, if we're not going to be as efficient offensively as we were last year, we can't be turning the ball over so much. And that, to me, is probably the biggest negative coming out of this game is Indiana turned it over 18 times against a Hope College team that isn't overly athletic, a lot of unforced turnovers uh, for Indiana. And so I think, you know, for games like this, I always like to see what is the coach kind of thinking about, what does he want the team to work on, and is the team really keyed in? 
And I thought, you know, Newkirk and Johnson, I thought both, if, it, if a message was being sent to them, and I don't know that it was, that's just me reading between the lines, I thought they responded really well. Um, I thought, you know, the rebounding and the turnovers weren't great, but that's clearly something Indiana is going to have to continue uh, to work on. Uh, Andy, just your thoughts, you know, in terms of, of, of kind of viewing this game in context with, with Preen's recent comments and then what you saw out there on the court. Yeah, I thought the the guard stuff was definitely interesting, and and I forget whether it was uh, Max or uh, or Andy Witchery on the uh, or maybe it's Witchery. I guess I should know. I gave him uh, I gave him some good praise on Twitter. I thought they did a great job uh, calling the game. Uh, probably a better job than I just did of pronouncing his name. Uh, but I thought I thought one of them pointed out early just how much Juwan Morgan was always talking, and I think you know one of the other comments from Crean was just about leadership in general, and not necessarily from the guard spot, just, you know, I think it was something to the effect of, you know, once one of these guys is ready to be the leader, I'm happy uh, to let him do it. And so, you know, I think there's a little bit of that with, with Morgan out there. I thought that lineup and I would guess the analysis tonight will show it did not perform particularly well um, just because of some of the other, I think, I think challenges of playing those guys together. But uh, I, I don't know whether it was a message or not. I guess it's kind of hard not to interpret it that way. Uh, to a certain extent, we'll see how that changes uh, in the next game. But I did think Johnson and uh, and Newkirk and really all the guards responded pretty well to it. Uh, Johnson in particular had some had some kind of careless turnovers in the first half. Don't think he had any in the second half. Um, Newkirk had you know I think ended up with seven or eight assists and, uh, and and played really well. You know controlling the ball there. I, I thought a lot of the turnovers were exactly what you'd see in an exhibition game. Guys just you know too keyed up to try to you know throw a, a long outlet pass and just kind of lobbing the ball in the middle of the court and. Um, you know, just the, the kind of sloppiness that I think you would expect to see. Uh, you know, I, I know for those of us, you know, who have followed this team in these last few years, the turnovers is a uh, is a wound that is easily opened when you watch some of these these kinds of careless plays. So um, I kind of, with that, don't read as much into it. Um, certainly, they've got to get that cleaned up against the Kansas team that's really athletic and going to press them a lot in the backcourt in that first game. Uh, from a rebounding standpoint, I thought they cleaned that up in the second half as well. I think gave up 11 offensive rebounds in the first half. I think overall uh, didn't didn't check offensive rebounds for the second half, but overall in the second half, IU out-rebounded Hope 23-11. to 11. So, you, you know, you saw some improvement there, but there were definitely some cases where Hope shooting a lot of threes, um, but IU just positionally on defense was not doing a good job of just getting their getting their body into people. But, but even um, from half to half, saw some good improvement there. So, yeah, o- overall... Uh, you know, it, it looked like an exhibition game. I think Ryan tweeted that out at one point, and uh, it looked exactly like what it was. And um, I think it gives us some things to to look at, some questions that may not be answered yet, um, but but a case to not really overreact on uh, on November first. And you know, interestingly, just looking at the stats, and I know plus minus is kind of a flawed metric, but still, Robert Johnson and Josh Newkirk had by far the best plus minus on the team tonight. And you know, again, you know, Crean even said it's not about guys defiantly not you know, talking or communicating. It's just their nature. You know, Robert's a quiet guy. James is a quiet guy. And, and, and it does, you know, kind of feel like, you know, maybe Tom is trying to use this part of the early season to bring something out of them that they, you know, may be a little bit reluctant to do on their own. And we saw him call out his leadership last offseason, and leadership ended up being a strength of the team heading into the season. And so he may be trying something like that as well. Um, Andy, did you want to make one more point? Yeah, I think the big thing that in in looking at some of those plus minus numbers, perhaps they bear this out. I just thought I used defensive intensity when Johnson was in there was at a different level um, than some of the other times. Just I think the pressure he can put on the ball, I think that's partly why that, you know, that lineup that open both halves kind of struggled because there really wasn't that person that could really uh, get into somebody uh, up and down the court and, and keep them from initiating the offense. I think that was while Morgan gives you some size and things like that, 
I think he they just weren't putting him in that position. So I thought Johnson defensively did really well. Shot selection wasn't great early on, but I think he got better as we went, and I think that probably plays a big role in seeing what appears to be a pretty gaudy plus-minus number. And to your point, Max Bielfeld, who was definitely better than advertised on the broadcast, said, you know, last year when Robert got hurt, he felt they really missed his defensive intensity, that bulldog intensity, and that's kind of to your point there, Andy. Uh, yeah. Ryan. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I don't think we needed Max to tell us that. I think that that was pretty <laughs> obvious. You know, I mean, you got to think about it. In that North Carolina game, the guy who killed us was Marcus Page, and that's who Robert was going to be guarding, you know. And, and so you think about that, and it's like, man, what a missed opportunity. But the injuries happen, and that's, you know, the way things turn out. Uh, I, thought, I thought the guards played well. I, I thought that Newkirk, uh, he's, you can tell there's a lot to work with there. He's athletic. He's he's quick. He uh, certainly is willing to turn up the defensive intensity. Certainly is good at looking for other people. The problem is going to come with his shooting ability. Can he shoot the ball? And and tonight there were several open opportunities he passed up. You know, and and he sort of has that. It seems like he has that pass first mentality. I think that in this offense you have to kick that because if t- players, if there's one player that the defense can sag off of, especially when you're playing a good team in the Big Ten, maybe Kansas, whatever, if they can sag off of somebody and maybe help on somebody else and dare you to shoot it, uh, that's a bad thing. We saw that two years ago with Indiana um, and, and well, I guess now three years at this point. But, um, you know, that's a really bad situation for this offense because the whole point is to spread the floor on those shooters open up driving lanes, open up the interior for Thomas Bryant. And if they can sag off of somebody, that's going to be a problem. So uh, I, I just like to see his confidence with his shot develop. And, and I'd like to see him make some because I, I think he can. I think we've seen that from him in scrimmages and, and what we've seen. He doesn't have a bad jump shot. I just think it's a confidence thing. And and while he had, you know, seven assists tonight and, uh, you know, four rebounds, only one turnover, um, his only points came at the free throw line. So I'd really like to see him sort of have the confidence in his game to, to, to be able to spread the floor and distribute, not just do one or the other. Yeah, he did a great job of finding open guys, but like you said, reluctant to shoot. And he shot 40-plus percent as a freshman at Pittsburgh. You know, that dipped as a sophomore. We did see some good shooting from him at Hoosier Hysteria in the scrimmage, so hopefully he can get that going because that's a great point about the offense. Let's talk about a guy who clearly is going to be an engine for this team this year, which is OG Ananobi. Uh, my first thought is, can we get OG some pants that he's comfortable with the length? I mean, his pants are already short enough, but then he's spending half his time like hiking his pants up to make them even shorter. Get the man some pants that he's comfortable with, number one. Number two, OG was four of seven from downtown. And, you know, really his last couple shots, more great analysis from Max, he really kind of faded out of his shot. When he was really into it and focused on his shot, I mean, it was money. And he looked really good shooting. Uh, he finished with 16 points, you know, and I liked his aggressiveness driving to the bucket. The problem is he had five turnovers tonight. And, you know, this is going to be the key for OG is he's a guy whose usage rate wasn't very high last year, had a turnover rate of 19.7%. And now his, his usage rate is going to go up. The attention the defense is giving him is going to go up. And obviously he's going to have to be able to drive into the lane so that, you know, people can't overplay him shooting threes. And he's going to have to do it now and not turn it over. And I think we've seen his aggressiveness doing that in these first weeks, you know, a few times we've seen Indiana play. And now he's got to be able to do that and not turn the ball over. So love the three-point shooting, love the aggressiveness on offense. Now it's about doing it with efficiency. Uh, Ryan, your thoughts on OG? 
Yeah, I actually thought that all three of his three pointers that he missed, he rushed. And and you know, again, early season exhibition game, you know, that's going to happen. That's it wasn't too concerning for me. And you're right, Max Bielfeld called it perfectly. And I thought Max did a great job. Uh, you could tell how much the shooting had been drilled into him by Indiana coaches. Because, and how much he had clearly worked on it with them because he could call every single time somebody pulled off a shot, somebody you know didn't follow through, somebody leaned back, whatever. He was, he was right there with it on the broadcast. I thought that was a great job by Max Bielfeld. Um, but yeah, Ananobi is, is who he is, and he's, he's, a, he's basically an advanced version of who he was last year. Um, and I think that that's, that's what we expected. I think the shooting, the efficiency is off the charts. Um, you know, with his shooting, I think that's going to be that way all year. That's just the guy he is. He doesn't make bad decisions and he doesn't take bad shots. He and Juwan Morgan, that was what made them special last year was they didn't make mistakes that tip freshmen typically make. And so I think you're looking at a situation where he's going to be efficient all year. Uh, but you're right. The turnovers, if he's going to be a guy driving to the basket, he can't be the new Troy Williams. He's got to stay, you know, within himself and keep the ball on his hip um, and, and or keep the ball out in front of him, not let it get on his hip and let it, you know, get knocked away or lose it. Uh, so I, I, I think that we're seeing a maturation for him, you know, offensively. He's becoming a more mature offensive player. He's just got to not try and overdo it and and not try and underdo it. I mean, I think he's going to have a tendency to shy away from from driving because that's not what he did last year. So it's he's got to find that right balance of, of when to attack, when to hold, when to shoot, when to pass. And and it's coming. I think it's coming. He he looks like a much more confident uh, player this year, and um, it, it's it's something an Indiana fan should be excited about because he's going to be real good. Yes, he is. Let's talk about James Blackman Jr. real quick. Uh, my first thought when the ball first tipped and saw him playing was how great it was to see him back out there in an IU uniform again. You know, I know that uh, you know there there was some you know questions about what Indiana may have lost or gained without him in, in the lineup last year. But there's no question you're not as good of a team when James Blackman Jr. isn't there because he's such a dynamic offensive force. Um, you know, he's a guy who was just born to score buckets in basketball games, and he did it again tonight. 15 points. He was five of six from the field. Ultra efficient. You know, a couple of rebounds and assists. So he wasn't exactly stuffing the stat sheet, but that you know. What we're, what we're going to need from James this year is scoring. He's a guy who's going to have to score points when it gets late in the shot clock. He's the guy that we're going, you know, that we're going to be going to. And I think that it's going to be such an important role for him. And again, we've seen him put up lots of points in lots of different situations, but it's good to see him back out there doing it again, looked athletic, looks ready to go. Um, I thought all, all positive signs there from James. Andy, any, any thoughts on the return of James Blackman to live action tonight? I, you know, I think he made that that dunk in the first half, but he also had another uh, another one or two plays where he got got uh, e- easy layups just because he was out running on the floor. And I think that was a good thing to see as you start, you know, making sure that you know the speed is back and those kinds of things. Um, I, you know, obviously defense is a big one. I, I thought overall the team seemed to not have a great um, consistent approach on how they wanted to approach some of these ball screens. It seemed like they were switching a lot of things early and uh, going under some screens later. So I think he struggled a little bit in that area, but I don't think he was alone uh, in terms of trying to trying to go at it that way. But, you know, I thought his shot looked good, um, seemed to really pick his spots and, and made some big baskets. But uh, to your point, while he has proven to be a capable rebounder, I think when you look at most of the lineups that IU is going to have this year, um, that will, you know, not necessarily be something that, that they need as much from him perhaps as they did in the past. And, and certainly he can chip in there, but 
Um, again, you saw that ability for him to kind of really get out and transition, get a couple baskets. I think you're going to see him be able to get threes by doing the same thing. And um, so I, I think that's a positive. You know, the defense is really what what people are going to want to watch for. And I'm not sure that the level of competition tonight is the uh, is the best way to gauge that. So, uh, you know, those are really the things I looked at from him. It certainly seemed healthy. And that to me was the, the biggest thing that I was looking for. Hey, Ryan, real quick, you mentioned Troy Williams. Troy got the start tonight for Memphis and just got a tweet. Apparently they're losing, but he's the leading scorer right now for the Grizzlies. If he keeps up this pace from undrafted to starting, he's going to be all NBA by midseason. The man has no <laughs> conscience. I do not doubt that he's the leading scorer. I just wonder about the efficiency of it. But He's been efficient so far in his NBA play. Good for Troy. We are all rooting for him very hard. We, you know, rough on him when he was a player, but that doesn't mean we don't love him. Um, yes. As for as for Blackman, I think that it's just you're seeing him, and we saw it at the beginning of last year at times. He's a much more mature player than when we saw him for a full season the last time, um, and I think that his his game has matured and he has just matured. So he was really efficient tonight. I think it was what five of six from the field, uh, two of three from three point range, three of four from the free throw line, uh, and and you know if they can get him to play any defense whatsoever, and and I'm not saying that that he won't this year. We haven't really seen enough of him to know uh, this year whether or not he has improved uh, defensively, and I don't think tonight was the night to test that out. But if he can do that and just be himself, he's going to be a huge part of the piece of this puzzle for for Indiana, and he, and it, it definitely will pick up some of the slack from losing a guy like Yogi Ferrell. So and Nick Zaisloft, of course, with the shooting. So um, again, I, I thought it was just great to see him out there and healthy, and and he looked yeah completely healthy and 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 fit and ready to go. And I think he's on a roster now that really complements his strengths and can help minimize his weaknesses. And I'm not sure that was the case his freshman and sophomore years. And fit is really important. And I think he's got a chance to have a really big season because of that. Uh, all righty. So I want to tell you real quick, take a minute, tell you why you should activate your free assembly call membership. And you can do this by going to assemblycall.com slash join uh, every game. So this will be our first one. We'll come out tomorrow morning. We send a post-game analysis email. It includes my analysis. We've got Andy's analysis of the substitution patterns in there. Will provides his stat of the night. We haven't figured out a way yet to fit Ryan into that email, so we'll have to see uh, if we can do that. Maybe he can give you tips on uh, riding bikes, something like that that he knows a lot about. Um, but you want to you want to get on that. It's assemblycall.com slash join. Uh, you get you can participate in our chat. You can get uh, all the emails that we send out. It's a great way to kind of take your connection with the assembly call to the next step, all free, uh, and we would love to have you on there. So go to assemblycall.com slash join and activate your free assembly call membership today. All righty, well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. We are breaking down Indiana's 98-65 to exhibition victory over Hope College. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. All right, let's not bury the lead. Let's have some fun now and talk about the freshmen. Because I think, you know, when it comes to Hoosier hysteria, scrimmages, the exhibition games, it's always, to me, it's always the most fun to see the freshmen and kind of see them get out there and play, see what you have. Uh, and Indiana has, you know, Three freshmen, I think, that showed tonight, at least their early returns, are that they belong. And let's start with Devontae Green. And in fact, I just saw Will tweet out, uh, Devontae in the postgame press conference said, I feel like I belong. And my goodness, does he show it. I mean, this is a guy that's got aggressiveness, moxie, and the skill to back it up. You know, sometimes freshmen come in and think it's going to be just like high school and you see him kind of making these wild-ass plays. But he was, I mean, just really efficient. As Ryan mentioned earlier, led the team with 17 points. Seven of nine from the field, had three boards, two assists, two steals. And I got to say, I, this, I know this feels almost sacrilegious, 
there's a couple times I felt like I was watching Yogi out there when he did his little kind of shake and bake move into the lane and just the confidence. Now, look, he's got a long way to go to live up to that legacy, but seeing the number 11 and look, Yogi was like that as a freshman too, just confident, looked like he belonged from the moment he stepped on the floor. And this is a guy who is an unheralded recruit, but you know, brother Danny Green in the NBA, a guy who clearly believes in himself, had some big moments in high school. We're going to have to see it against better competition. But all we've seen, Hoosier hysteria, the scrimmage, the practice tonight, this guy belongs and he's going to be an important rotation player. Ryan, your early thoughts on Devontae Green. Well, I'll say this. He's he's far better than his high school tape. Um, the the highlights for him, which is shocking because his brother's in the NBA, but the highlights and and the tape for him in high school was really limited. Uh, what was available. And I just, I didn't see, I saw a confident guy. I did not see somebody who was this good. And and he is very good. I saw he had, one thing that I noticed on tape when we did our recruiting special was great vision, confidence. Um, but I didn't, I thought his jump shot needed work. I thought he needed to get a little quicker and a little better ball handling. I, I, I was wrong there. His jump shot is fine. His his ball handling is is much better than it showed up on tape, and and the thing that I loved about him and that I love about his attitude is he is a more than willing defender, and and I think that that is huge for this team and huge for any freshman because these kids on the on the AAU circuit do not play any defense ninety nine percent of the time, and he's a guy who was talking about how he wants to come in to be the best defender in college basketball. Uh, that is not usually what you hear from a freshman, and so just his attitude out there. I mean, he wants to get into guys on defense. He wants to drive down the lane and make a spectacular play. He had that lob to Thomas Bryant in the you know middle of the lane, just lays it off and and. Thomas laid it in. I mean, that was that was beautiful. And then his confidence as a shooter is is through the roof. So he does belong. He's a guy who is much better than than he looked in high school. He's a guy who's gonna fit in. And right now with him, I mean, we're gonna talk about these guys, but he, Deron Davis, Curtis Jones. I mean, th- that's a great freshman class that is much better than it was ranked. And we thought that at the time when they all signed that th- that these guys were better than their than their ranking as a class. But uh, we're seeing that definitely show up. It's becoming a theme with Tom Crean recruiting that the underrated classes overperform and the really highly rated classes underperform what they're supposed to do. Uh, Andy, I want to get your thoughts on Curtis Jones. I know you have some stats on how the freshman performed overall. Let me just make kind of a random observation about Curtis Jones. I really enjoy watching him run. Like there's something about the way that he picks up his feet. He has a really engaging gait, just the way he moves up and down the court. He, I, I will say this, he is such an athletic, just ball of clay, but he, I mean, he's, a, you know, he's a skilled basketball player, but you can tell that like he hasn't even grown into his athleticism yet. Like he's still figuring it out yeah. because there was a time he drove down the lane and jumped and it was almost like he didn't expect to jump as high as he did, you know, and like went up for, I mean, it's just, he is, he is unbelievable and he's going to be a lot of fun to watch as he said. Yeah, he is. Andy, your thoughts on Cujo and the freshman overall. Yeah. I mean, I thought, I thought, I thought Curtis Jones is one of the guys who really turned the game around in the in the first half when he came in on the floor. I mean, immediately he made, uh, you know, he hit a three, blocked a shot. Um, yeah, they had that. They showed that one replay where you know the hopes trying to do a dribble handoff and he just jumps in and almost took the handoff from the guy. Just couldn't quite hang on to it. Just, um, j- just really intense and didn't seem to. Uh, wh- while they were all pretty amped up, didn't you know 
obviously the moment, as you say, against Hope College maybe isn't that big, but certainly didn't seem uh, to be afraid on the big stage and jumped right in and was really aggressive. I think you saw that you know, with Green as well. He picked up those couple kind of cheap fouls at the beginning, but it, it was um, you know, really aggressive trying to get it in there, get in somebody's face, and, uh, and do a good job defensively, as Ryan mentioned. So uh, I, I was really impressed with them. They, they both showed the ability to score from – uh, both getting to the rim, but also knocking down threes. And, you know, overall, uh, we'll talk about Jerron Davis here in a second, but um, just overall, the, the three of those guys played 47 minutes. They had 30 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, two blocks, made 11 of 16 from the floor, including four or five from three, and had just three turnovers in those 47 minutes. So uh, in a game when, you know, we lamented some of these turnovers and how that all looked, uh, the three guys who had never put on an IU uniform in a uh, in a game of any kind other than a scrimmage uh, certainly did their part to keep that number down, and I thought um, all played really well and, and just all seemed to be around the ball a lot. I, I know I remarked that about Deron Davis. He, he seemed to come in, and um, wherever the ball was, he, he always seemed to be there. Uh, I think you could really say the same thing for all of them. They were, they were right in the mix, uh, not afraid to you know try to make a play and uh, – you know, certainly, as Devontae Green said, you know, he's feeling like he belongs. I think we would all say his play would uh, suggest that that is the case. That's what I love about these freshmen. They're not bashful. I just love how they just stepped on the court and started making plays. And I'll tell you, you know, we talked a lot early last season, well before OG and Juwan were getting consistent minutes, about how much when they came on the court, how Indiana fundamentally just played better because they would get in stances. They seemed to really be in tune with kind of what Coach Crean wanted at a time early in the season when, if we remember, things weren't going quite so well. And so it's interesting that for the second straight season, again, just an exhibition, so we'll have to see if it carries on into the real games. But again, you've got freshmen who seem really keyed into what the coach wants them to work on, with you know, not turning the ball over and, and doing some of the fundamental things. And that's really good to see, you know, young players playing that fundamentally sound early on. Um, Ryan, your thoughts on Deron Davis, who was the headliner of Indiana's recruiting class? Yeah, I, I love Deron Davis. I mean, I've not been shy about pumping that kid up since since he signed. I think that he's uh, far better than his than his ranking. I couldn't believe he wasn't a McDonald's All American, and I thought it was a joke that he wasn't a five star. I think he's an all around, just a great basketball player who's only going to get exponentially better playing against Thomas Bryant every day. I thought tonight. I mean, you got to remember with Deron is he didn't get on campus until late, and so you didn't expect him to play a whole lot. You expect him to kind of be worked in slowly, and that that sort of showed up tonight. He only played nine minutes, but in that nine minutes, he had seven rebounds, six on the offensive end, uh, you know, six shots or uh, six points. And he, he kind of worked his way into those shots too. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just catch and lay it up. He, he had a couple where he attacked the rim off a rebound. And um, I, I just thought he looked again, he looked like he belonged And the thing about these freshmen and, and, you know, we haven't seen enough Grant Gale on yet, but it, they just you said they're not bashful and it's true they're just they're not timid they are in there to play basketball they're not in there to learn they're there to play basketball when they get on the floor and uh you know they'll listen they'll 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 fix what they're doing wrong and all that but they're in there to play and make stuff happen they're not just in there to eat up minutes and so that's what I love about these kids it's the confidence factor I mean they're in there to to do some damage and I think that that's that's fantastic because that's what Indiana needs with what it lost. It needed guys who were going to come in and say and push the guys ahead of them, make those guys better because when you have guys breathing down your neck that you're going up against in practice every day, you either have to get better or you have to yield and let them take over. So uh, that's going to push those those 
top guys to get better. And, and uh, I think that Davis is a guy who's going to push Thomas Bryant uh, and, and Thomas in turn is going to push, you know, Deron Davis. And I, as I said repeatedly, love Davis. Think he's going to be a great player for Indiana. It, yeah. And as far as Deron, you know, we talked about some of the getting in late, some of the conditioning things. I think he had a, you know, ankle injury, but you know, early in the first half when he got in not long after that, you know, as much as we wanted IU to get the ball inside, they got it into him and he made a quick move, a nice drop step to the basket and got a, got a bucket. So, um, you know, I think you can just see the, the little flashes and that was just where he was, you know, blocked a shot pretty quick after he came in. And so I think you start to see it. We saw even a little bit of he and Thomas Bryant playing together or uh, thump and bump as uh, Max Bielfeld put it. So <laughs> I'll be interested to see how much we, how much we see of that. But with the way that Bryant was playing a little bit more on the perimeter, I think it at least presents them with some flexibility from a lineup standpoint uh, in different scenarios. And certainly from a rebounding perspective, six offensive rebounds in nine minutes. Uh, a couple of minutes ago when I was doing the stats, I misquoted the minutes. They played 36 minutes total. The 47 I referenced was the total plus minus for those three guys. So uh, good numbers all around, but they ended up playing 36 minutes between the three of them or a, a total of plus 47 overall. So uh, definitely a good first outing for those guys. And I think particularly with Davis, who's really just getting into shape, um, you know, getting, you know, Lionel Anderson, uh, you know, getting his hands on him. I, I think the amount of improvement we'll see from this game to the end of the season for him is going to be a lot greater than other people just because he didn't have that same opportunity over the summer to make some of those strides physically uh, as well as what he's going to be able to do on the basketball court. Yeah, I think one thing that if you go back and watch the game that was really funny is when uh, – Davis and Bryant weren't at the same time. They isolated Bryant out on the perimeter, isolated Davis into the post, and immediately got the ball. You can tell they worked on this in practice. They got the ball to Bryant immediately on the same side of the floor as, as, as Davis, and he immediately went in the post. There was a foul called. Uh, but you could see as soon as Bryant threw that pass, Tom Cream was clapping so hard because they, clearly that's something they want to do. Isolate those guys, make them choose to either guard Bryant's jump shot or – you know, Deron Davis on the, on the inside one-on-one. So uh, a, a well-designed play and clearly something that he's looking for more of there. Let's talk a little bit about Juwan Morgan. You know, again, the, the, kind of the lead coming out of this game is Juwan Morgan starts at point guard, you know, and everybody's going to have their hot take on that. But I think that probably overshadows what was a really productive game for Juwan Morgan. And you probably, you know, with unfortunately the Colin Hartman things hashtag, we can't use that for right now, but I think Juwan Morgan things is going to become its own hashtag. And I thought, again, Max had some really good insight, you know, again, viewing this game within the context of what Tom Crean has said recently that he wants out of his players. And Max said, you know, Juwan is out there every possession, talking, communicating, telling guys where to be showing that leadership. And I think it's, I mean, impossible not to draw a direct line to the fact that that's why he started. And the reason he's a point guard is just because that's kind of where he fit best with that group of guys. But again, a productive game. He only had seven points, but that was on only two field goal attempts. So we got to the line eight times. He had 12 rebounds, had a couple of assists, had a block, had a steal, and generally is just active and, and doing good things out there. And I think we talked all off season about how important he can be as a Swiss Army knife for this team, a guy who can guard four or five positions, a guy who can handle the ball as well as go down and bang down low. He's really going to give Tom Crean a lot of flexibility because you know you can trust him. He's going to go out and play hard. He's going to do the little things, and he can step out and shoot a little bit, and he can make some plays. And I think we've heard so much about his potential breakout this year from everybody who's really close to the program and who has watched this team play 
And I think these are the kind of games you're going to see. He's not a guy who needs to take a lot of shots to, you know, to score some points, and he's going to rebound and just do all of those little things that add up to victories. Uh, Andy, your thoughts on Juwan's overall performance tonight? Yeah, I mean, again, when you you look at a couple of things that we talked about as being weak spots for IU were turnovers and rebounding, and here's a guy who played and had the ball in his hands quite a bit, played 22 minutes, had one turnover, and he led the team with 12 rebounds. So, um, you know, nine of those on the defensive end. So I think he did the things well that IU struggled with, and so you're just going to see, you know, more and more of him. But he's also a guy who doesn't need to take a bunch of shots to, uh, to get there. But I thought he was really aggressive off the dribble. He drew a lot of fouls, um, even – you know, to get IU into the bonus, not necessarily, you know, he ended up with eight free throw attempts, as you mentioned, but I thought he drew a ton of fouls uh, on them just being aggressive going to the basket. So I think you see, um, again, you kind of, I'm trying to think of a, a comparable player from other, uh, you know, Big Ten programs in recent years who's kind of been this way where didn't need to score a lot, but did a lot of little things like Alan Anderson of Michigan State a while back kind of came to mind, trying to think of other guys who, who kind of fit that mold of, and do a little bit of everything. Just a tough guy to guard, a tough guy to handle for the for the defense. And so, Rayfell Davis was a little bit like that for Purdue, though a little bit inconsistent. Don't ever compare Jawan Morgan yeah. to a Purdue player. <laughs> <laughs> am, am I banned from next week's show? <laughs> you might. You got a yellow card. To, maybe bench to start. <laughs> you <laughs> got a yellow warning. Yeah, yeah you got a yellow card. One more, and you're out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I want to say about Juwan. I think one thing that's going to be really important for him this year, and and I sort of thought this in the off season because of the way he plays, and he is always around the ball, and he's always trying to make something happen. He's always in the right spot. Um, he's going to have to make his free throws this year, and I think that's going to be a huge part of his game. I, I don't see him as a guy who's going to drive off the wing and and score a whole lot. I think that he's going to be a guy who like OG last year is, you know, a weak side, comes in weak side, gets a great pass, lays it in, shoots some threes, um, you know, and and maybe hit some some stationary jumpers uh and you know, maybe work some post moves, but I don't think he's a guy who's going to take it off the wing, you know, two or three dribbles and go right up to the rim very often. What he's going to be able to do though is with the ball in his hands since he is efficient and not turning the ball over he's going to have to make his free throws because I think that a lot of times he's going to get put on the line late. Um, and so I'd like to see him, you know, with a smoother shot at the line, he tends to lean back as Max pointed out tonight. I believe he does lean back a little bit uh, on his, on his free throws. And so he's got to, you know, fix that sort of, you know, shore that up because he's going to be on the floor in key moments. and He's going to have to make those shots. You know, he did shoot 80% last year. It was 24 for 30 and he's got a good looking stroke at the line, you know, when he Complete, stays with yeah. the show. Agree, and 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 I don't think it's I don't think it's a problem structurally with a shot or anything like that. You know, he missed a few tonight. I'm not really hanging it on that. I just think that he's going to be a guy in key situations who's going to have to make shots, so uh, free throws. So you know, that's got to be a real big focus for him. Yep. All right. Hey, before we go to last call, real quick, which we will go to next. One more quick reminder that a great way to support the assembly call and to get yourself some really cool gear is by ordering your official assembly call T-shirt from HoosierProud.com. Uh, so excited they are sponsoring our banner moment this year. But go to HoosierProud.com, and it's not just the Assembly Call t-shirts, but there's lots of really cool just shirts and stickers and sweatshirts that if you're from Indiana, if you're a Hoosier, you're going to love. Some really cool, unique designs that Connor and the guys have over there. Um, I think you'll like it. So go to HoosierProud.com, and don't forget, use that promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, and you'll get 15% off your entire order, not just the Assembly Call shirt your entire order. So a really generous offer that they have for Assembly Call uh, listeners. Again, go to HoosierProud.com. 
Alrighty, well, you are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, wrapping up our show tonight as Indiana defeats Hope College 98-265. And uh, let's get some final thoughts here. Uh, Ryan, we'll go to you first. Last call. Uh, I just, you know, I think that one of the things for this team, and, and I think we saw it at the beginning of this game, they were a little ragged. Obviously, the competition allows you to do that without them. You know, the lower level of competition allows you to do that without the opponent running away from it. Uh, I was I was kind of in a back and forth on Twitter with somebody about, you know, when are we going to know what this team's going to be? And and I kind of, because of how much this team lost uh, from a leadership perspective, from a key position perspective, like point guard and, you know, a guy you could always rely on to hit shots and Nick Zyslofts and a guy who could, you know, always rely on to mix it up like Troy Williams. Uh, I think that somebody asked me like, okay, well, when, when are we going to have to start looking at results and wonder what this team's going to be? And I kind of said, I think the Butler game is when, is when at that point, that's when we have to start worrying about results. I think that Kansas first game, that's just going to depend on which team flies out to Hawaii and, you know, takes care of itself the most. Uh, the North Carolina game, that's a really good team. You'd love to win that game, but if you don't, it's, it's really not the end of the world. But when you get that Butler that Louisville game, that's when you have to start worrying about where this team is at. Is Has it rounded into form yet? Do they look like a team that can play uh, this year and compete for a Big Ten title? I think by that point, we'll know. It's not that I don't want to win those earlier games, uh, those early big games. I just think that it might be the fact that, and Tom Crean said this, I think we might need to be a little bit patient with this team as they find their identity and their uh, in their way. And I think that it, it's great that these freshmen tonight, we saw them step up, play well. Uh, maybe they can help, you know, speed that process up. So for now, uh, you know, enjoy the exhibition games for what they are. But uh, that's a key thing to watch is how these guys play together, how they interact together, how the communication is and all that stuff. And hopefully by December, we're starting to see that as a fully well-rounded team sort of rounding into form heading into the, into the Big Ten season. That's kind of what happened last year. Andy, last call. So one thing that I'll be curious to watch in the next exhibition game uh, will be how this team starts halves. Um, I know this is something we talked about a decent amount last year. And when you look between TV timeouts, uh, or I guess media timeouts, uh, internet streaming timeouts, whatever we want to call them, in the, uh, in the BT, BTN Plus era, um, you know, the, the only two segments between those that IU uh, was outscored was the between the beginning of the game and the under 16 in the first half and the beginning of the half and the under 16 in the second half. So they got scored by five points uh, in the, uh, in the first one and four in the second gave up 12 points in the first one and 13 in the second. And so, you know, those were, those were areas, you know, we can point to some of the lineup things with that. And I think the plus minus numbers may well bear that out. Um, but, but just the intensity needed to start that, like Ryan said, you can get away with some of those lapses in a game like this and probably be able to get away with it in a game uh, like the one we'll see on Saturday, but you're not going to be able to do that against Kansas. And and certainly it's easier to get yourself amped up for the beginning of a game like that. But, uh, you know, just it, while it's hard to take a lot out of some of these uh, these things, that was one thing that stuck out to me in addition to the things that we, we talked about earlier in terms of turnovers and rebounding. So, uh, you know, I guess if you're looking for something to watch for in particular in the next game, that is the thing that I would hone in on uh, just by kind of looking at this team and how it built momentum over the course of the half because, you know, in the second half, they gave you know they got outscored by four points that next one, and then they bounced back between the next two timeouts. They scored twenty points, so um, you know, in, in roughly a five minute stretch. So you can see how quickly they can heat up. Um, the question is, can you do that without uh, without starting so cold? 
Yeah, great points, Andy. Uh, I will begin my last call with a stat, seeing a bunch of people tweet this out. Uh, when Robert Johnson was on the floor tonight, IU outscored Hope College 60-16, to 16, a plus 44, which was the top uh, on the team, as we mentioned earlier. And look, again, we don't know if Robert not starting was sending any kind of message. Not sure if that's you know what Crane's been referring to in his comments. But as we kind of put two and two together and, and, and maybe guess that that is the case, if it was an outstanding job by Robert Johnson of responding and coming out and playing with terrific energy and doing Robert Johnson things, the kind of stuff that makes Andy the president of his fan club. And, and really, you know, that had had us talking a lot early in the offseason about he was the most important player coming into this year. You know, Thomas Bryant, the best OG, you know, maybe the most talented and James, the best scorer, but just how important Robert was to set the tone on defense, you know, to be the guy that helped get this team into its offense, especially, you know, cutting down on turnovers if he can do that. So a good a performance tonight from Robert Johnson. And we'll see if that results in him taking the spot that we always assumed was his in the starting lineup against Bellarmine, uh, or if this uh, experiment with Jawan Morgan at point guard, perhaps that explains a little bit why Indiana started out poorly in the first couple of halves as you didn't have maybe your best lineup out there on the floor, but we will see. Uh, but for my last statement, I just I have a special announcement for everybody, and, and we did send out an email about this today and announced it on the site. Um, but we're really, really excited. There's going to be more Assembly Call content. Uh, our friend Kent Sterling uh, from 1430, the CBS affiliate in Indianapolis, I do a weekly segment with him, uh, and he became the program director and brought us a great opportunity to host a weekly show uh, which we accepted with excitement, and we can't wait to start. So it'll actually begin this Friday. Uh, we will be going live at 6 o'clock Eastern time. I believe this Friday will go a little bit later. Uh, oh, no, no, we'll be at 6, but we'll end a little bit early because of the Ron Colley football game. So as long as Ron Colley is playing, uh, our show will go for about a half hour. But once that is done, then we'll be going for a full hour from 6 to 7 o'clock. It'll be replayed on Saturday. And for those of you who are members and who are subscribers to the podcast, we will post this content in our podcast feed as well. But if you want to listen to it uh, when it goes live, you can certainly tune in uh, on 1430. Uh, if you're driving around in Indianapolis, tune in at the 1430 website, uh, and we'll also post it as a podcast. But uh, obviously an opportunity that we're really excited about. We thank Kent Sterling uh, for that opportunity. And really, we thank you too. Uh, it's because you all are so loyal and supportive of us, and we have such a great audience that we can continue to do the show, hopefully get better at it, uh, uh, give you a better product. And, and so that people want to have us on their shows and, and want to bring us into their station uh, uh, and, and bring our content to their audience too. So we wouldn't be able to do it without you. So thank you. We're really excited. We kind of feel like this is a, a big achievement for the entire assembly call community. And so we are excited to share it with you. Alrighty. Well, we will be back on Saturday. Indiana plays Bellarmine. That game starts at seven o'clock Eastern time, six o'clock central. It will be on BTN plus. I don't know if it'll be Andy uh, Witchery and Max Bielfeld on the call. I sure hope so because they were great tonight, but either way, we will be here with you on the post game show. Join us at assemblycall.com slash live for the post game show. We'll be here to break it all down. Hopefully it's another fun, exuberant Indiana victory over Bellarmine. We will talk to you on Saturday night. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. 
So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.